Revelation. Our start there uh, tonight. We've um, it's all good. We've been studying Second Peter uh, here as a church on Tuesday nights and uh, throughout the week. Um, I've been listening to a bunch of different speakers this week. I listened to a guy named Matt Tapley from, uh, from Grimsby there, a guy named Kevin Gerald from Tacoma, Washington, a guy named Francis Chan from no one knows where he lives anymore. Um, but uh, uh, just in all of these uh, messages, hearing the same thing just kept uh, getting brought out uh, uh, for, uh, for me. And as I was, I was listening to that, um, even just in, in the Bible study, just reading some of the verses and, and uh, coming across some of the stuff, it, it just really spoke to my heart time and time again. It was like I didn't, it wasn't just that I realized, wow, these things are all the same. It was like, Mark, these, all these things are for you. And as that happened in my heart, I felt like some of that uh, is, is uh, something I want to share with us as a church as well, because I don't believe it's just for me. I believe it may be for, for uh, some of you here as well. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, it's uh, the very last book in the Bible. If you, if you turn, it's real, real close to the end, about that far away. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, it says, um, there's a, there's a guy named John. He's writing. He's uh, exiled on an island, and he's writing this, this letter. Uh, as Holy Spirit is speaking to him, he's, he's writing this. So God's actually talking to John when he says this, and he says to John, hey, John, write this letter to the angel or to the messenger of the church in Ephesus. Uh, this is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. So he's saying this to a church, this church that's in uh, Ephesus. He says, I know all the things you do, I've seen your hard work. I've seen your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. He says, but I have this complaint against you. So first he says, hey, you guys are doing all this good stuff as a church. He says, but I have this complaint um, against you. He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, he says, I'll come and remove the lampstand from its place among the churches. And, and I've listened to this. I thought, you know what? I've, I've heard lots of sermons on this. I've read this many times. I've even preached sermons on this. you like, Mark, we heard this one already. Uh, you know, I have too, many, many times. And yet, I, as I sat there, I realized, man, I still need this for me. It was still like it was speaking um, something to me. This letter was written to the Ephesian church in AD 98. So it's about, uh, you know, 100 years uh, uh, since the birth of Christ. And it was, it's kind of, it's got some encouragement, a little bit of, uh, 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 well, quite a bit of rebuke in it. Uh, then there's a, uh, a book that John mentioned earlier. There's a book written to the church of Ephesus. Anybody know what that book might be called? Ephesians. Yeah, that book um, uh, was written to them. And that whole book really was just a lot of encouragement from Paul. That's when the church was only about 30 years old. Uh, so in 30 years, this going from this encouragement of, hey, you guys are doing this and doing this and doing this, this is who you are, to 30 years later where they find themselves in this place where they're like, hey, you guys are doing all this stuff, but something isn't right on the inside. Something's missing uh, 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 as far as the motivation of what you're doing. Then I was reading through our uh, Bible study in Matthew 24, uh, verses 10 to 14. Jesus talked about what it would be like in the last days. What it would be like when, uh, you know, as time goes on, he, he said something uh, in, in there. Well, maybe do we have those verses? I don't have them. Well, it's, it's, all, it's all good. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. This what it, it says that the love of many will grow cold. Here he's been talking about them saying, hey, you guys have left your first love uh, as, a, as a church. And Jesus said, that's going to happen a lot. You know, who is he talking about? He's talking about believers. He's talking, oh, like, it's not talking about, oh, yeah, all the kind of the people in the world. He's talking about people in church. And he says this, and the scary word in that is many. 
He's like, many are going to lose uh, uh, or their, their first love. And he says, many people's love is going to grow cold. That tells me that many could happen here if we let it. Many can happen, could be me, if, uh, if I allow. But I believe as Holy Spirit uh, speaking through this, I, I believe that we may see some, uh, some real change in that, uh, even, even this morning. Yeah, the word um, where it says uh, many's love will grow cold, that actually, that, that word picture is, is that something gets cold by blowing on it. You know, I got little kids, and they, uh, when, they, when it's breakfast time and that oatmeal's hot, you know, they right away grab the oatmeal, and, they, you know, they got to eat, and they got to eat now. It's got to get from here to there as quick as possible. And, and Lincoln, he'll take a bite, and if he eats and it's too hot, it's like, he'll spit it out and be like, blow on it! And so Beth or I will blow on the bowl. Addict, on the other hand, if he takes a bite, it's, it's like already in there. It's not worth wasting, like spitting it out and doing this all over again. So he just holds his mouth open. You're like, oh yeah, okay. Blow in his mouth until it's cool enough. And then he swallows and he takes another bite. And it's like, ah! And it's like, okay, blow in his mouth and make sure it's cool enough. Well, what? it's the same idea of he's saying your love is something's blowing on it and cooling it down. Uh, that, that same thought is that it's not, it's not happening instantly. It's, it's this process of things blowing on that, that's causing it to cool down. And that cool down can happen in any relationship where love is involved. You know, it can happen with God where you're like, wow, you know, God and I, we used to be like this. He's like, I, I, you know, God used to talk to me. I used to read the word and I would get it. Uh, I used to sing and worship. And it was like, man, I just, this sense of connection with God was like huge. And I just don't feel that way anymore. I just feel like, I don't know, like cold inside. Like, I, I, you know, when they say at the front, let's get excited about God. I'm like, I just can't. Something may have cooled down on the inside. It can happen in, in your relationship with your spouse. You know, if you, if you allow it, just kind of over time, it gradually, you know, you begin to fall out of love. They say that one of the highest uh, uh, rates of divorce uh, now in our, in our uh, culture is happening in the, the people who've been uh, in their 50s. It's not the young ones anymore. It used to be. It's like those first seven years are the hardest. Apparently, it's not those anymore. Now it's the ones after you've finished those. You survived all of that. You did the whole stage of kids, and now you end up at your 50s. That it just the, the love, is, it's grown cold. They say that, you know, people are, are not in love anymore at that spot. You know, you used to feel in love. Like, you remember, you think back, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, that hunk of hunk of burning love. You know, you remember, like, the, if you, you know, the, the one who, who may have been around at the time of that song was sung. Um, it's like, you know, you remember back then, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, there was something I felt, but I don't feel that anymore. The love made that something that's blown on there may have made it cold. Church, you know, you can come to church and be like, oh, I love this place. These people are amazing. They're so welcoming, so friendly. You know, God speaks right to me when I'm listening to the word, the worship. I just can't believe why everybody isn't just like with their hands in the air, just worshiping God. And then a year later, you find yourself in the same church going, oh, those people drive me crazy. I can't believe so-and-so over there. Like, oh, oh, this song again? Come on, it's too loud. Turn it down. And it's like almost like you think your spiritual gift becomes criticism. You can pick out every little thing that's wrong. Why? Same place. Something's grown cold on the inside. I would ask you to do something that's really difficult and to ask yourself a real honest question this morning. How hot am I for God? Am I still doing what I'm doing out of this passionate love for Christ? And I realize that all of us can find ourselves in a place where we're not, where it isn't that. It's just kind of what we do. To the Laodicean church in Revelation, he said, you guys are lukewarm. He's like, it's just, you know, it's just not hot anymore. It's like something's, you've allowed it to cool down. You're still there. You're still in church. You're still doing the stuff. It just, just it isn't, it's the, the inside excitement motive is just not there. He says you're missing out, and he says it actually something that he, that he hates. It's like the going through the motions kind of life, still doing the great things, but not, not with the same heart behind it. 
uh, as we talk about this, he says that they left their first love. It wasn't necessarily that Jesus, well, he didn't leave them. He says, you guys left. Something, something happened. So as you read this word left, uh, as with our Bible study, we're learning, look up words and find out what they mean. This word left actually has a bunch of different meanings. And I think it, it's a pretty good picture of what may, may be happening in this place today, if we're honest. One of the, one of the ways, the things that says it, um, that they left their first love is that they simply let it go. They just let it go. Uh, there's a YouTube video on there. Where there's this guy. He's um, proposing to his girlfriend. He thinks a really great idea would be tie the ring to a helium balloon, go meet her in the park, and then hand her on one knee, ask her to marry. So sure enough, he gets down on one knee. Will you marry me? Hands her the thing. She can't believe it. She's so excited. She lets the balloon go, and it floats off into oblivion with the ring attached to it. And he's like, she's like so excited. Yeah, yeah, I'll marry you. And he's like, no. And she's like, no. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like the ring, the ring, the ring's on the balloon. And all of a sudden she's in tears. And it's like this big upsetting thing. What was supposed to be this great excitement, all of a sudden just happened to kind of let it go. So even, even in the excitement, what we're not talking about is just this, oh, just this get passionate, excited, hyped up uh, uh, attitude or, or, or whatever. It's not like, oh, just be like Mercury's crazy on Sunday. You know, just be like that. that that's not what he's saying. Because even in the excitement, you can lose something that's happened on the inside just simply by letting it go. You know, fire requires fuel to stay lit. A lot of times it's, it's that, that idea of we just choose not to add fuel to this passion and this love for God. We just, we just don't. And choosing not to put fuel on the fire is choosing to let it go out. So he says there's this one thought of, of letting it go. There's a story in the Bible of these, uh, the foolish virgins and the wise virgins who are all, I don't know why, 10 of them are camping out waiting for the bridegroom to come along. It says all of them, for you to know the story, it says five of them were, were considered wise because they had enough oil. They all had oil. They were all looking for the return of Christ. They were all kind of in the right spot, but some of them hadn't had enough fuel on, for their fire. It says those ones were considered foolish, and it says they missed out on what, uh, on what God had wanted for them, missed out on the, on the return of Christ. And that's something I say for us too. He's saying this is a picture for you. Keep fueling that fire. Don't just let it go out. That's one way of leaving. The second way of leaving is to go somewhere and leave something behind. Uh, you know, the idea where you were going somewhere and then you get sidetracked. You know, you were, like, my wife does this every time she's going shopping. She's like, I just go out and need to go out and pick up a few things. And comes home with bags and bags of stuff. Where were you, you know? I, oh, I was just going there, and then I happened to go there. Maybe you're like, oh, I was on my way to the health food store, and I ended up at McDonald's. I just don't know how that happened. But it's just a pull, you know? Or, or maybe you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you feel like your vehicle's swerving to the right, and you think the windmills are pushing you off the road. It's not the windmills. It's uh, just, just for somebody here. So, um, uh, but the... the the thought that, you know, you were on your way somewhere and you got sidetracked. And many of us in our faith, we're on our way in this relationship with God and something sidetracks us. The, the, the thought is that it depends on how valuable it is to us whether we're going to go back and, and, and get it. Have you ever lost something, left something behind? I remember leaving my sunglasses over at the Tim Hortons in Cayuga and I had uh, driven from there to here and I realized at that point I had lost them. And Beth's like, we're on our way to a wedding reception. I was like, oh, wedding reception, sunglasses. I'm like, gotta go back. So I drove back for the sunglasses and they weren't there. They were actually, I left them here uh, somehow, um, but uh, with my mind. But um, there was, it was worth it to me to go back for those sunglasses. For some of you, like, sunglasses, forget that. You know, but maybe, what if it was your wallet? Would you go back for that? You're like, oh, yeah, I would. Some of you are like, no way, man. I'll leave someone else with all my debt. You know, it's all good. If they find it, they're, they're lost. Uh, but for, for others, you're like, what if it was your child? Would you go back then? 
I remember that phone call a few uh, years uh, back where we, um, before cell phones were around, my parents, we had drove, drove home half an hour from my aunt and uncle's place and got in the door and about 10 minutes later there was a phone call. Hey, did you forget something? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, well, we have one extra kid here. Uh, it was like my youngest brother. They had left him behind. And... Um, they did love him enough to go back and get him. So uh, gas was pretty expensive back then, yet they valued him enough to go back and get him. The thing, my question for you is, if you realize this morning that you say, you know what, yeah, I feel like I've left my first love, is it valuable enough for you to go back and get it? Only you can answer that question because it requires something of us. The last thought in leaving is actually to divorce. It's not this idea of accidentally letting it go. It's not this idea of getting sidetracked. It's this idea of I'm putting it out on purpose. I'm not letting the fire go out. I'm putting it out. And for some of you, you'd find yourself in this place if you've been burned by God. You just ticked at him. You prayed for something. You prayed and prayed. He made your life worse. He just didn't come through for you. And you're like, you know what? Forget it. You don't exist. That's it. I'm done. And you put that out yourself. Maybe you're just here by accident. You think this morning, I believe God's speaking to you. Maybe you're burned by church. Maybe you're here, you know, just hoping for one last chance that maybe church is going to be real, that you're going to find something. I promise you, every church has got issues. But don't write them all off as hypocrites. Don't put that fire out just because you thought, you know what, it just isn't, it just isn't there. Because I believe the Holy Spirit would speak to you this morning that love just wants to grow on the inside of you again, to come back to first love where it wasn't about church and it wasn't about whether he did or didn't do everything you wanted. It was just about him. It was about the fact that he's done everything that he needed to do, and now you can have that, that love relationship with him. What's God's idea of love? Mark chapter 12, verse 30, there's a story of a, a few religious people, and they're trying to trick Jesus. Uh, good luck. <laughs> you know, they're like asking him questions like, am I going to be married in heaven? You know, what if I had seven wives here? Which one's my wife in heaven? And, and they're talking about these questions, and, and Jesus answers them all wise. And one guy gets up, and he's a, been a scholar of the law, and he says, okay, Jesus, if you're so smart, he says, which is the most important commandment? And you think Jesus would go back to the Ten Commandments and say, okay, well, let's go down the Ten Commandments and say, here's the most important one, but he doesn't. He goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which he has just logged away in his, his mind, and, and he says this to them. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest command. Not this is the greatest option. This is the greatest ch- uh, possibility. This is the command. Somebody's saying, this is, this is what I'm telling you to do. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he says, it's with all. It's not just, you know, yeah, I kind of love God on Sunday. He's like loving him with all. It's, um, it's a really interesting thought. I mean, you just break down that, just that simple scripture. You take just a look at the words that he used. He used a word called love uh, that back then was the word agapo. What kind of love is he asking? This love is actually the word means to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. He's saying love in this way, love by choice, not by feeling. When you're worshiping God and you don't feel him at all, you love by choice. Say, God, I'm in this with you. You know, I'm going to follow you and keep seeking you. The tense of that word, it's written, it's called future active tense. means it has not yet occurred. He's saying you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. means it hasn't happened yet. means you, you aren't there. Just, just, it gives it the, the idea of the opportunity to love God more is always there in your life. To the idea to keep growing in that relationship is always there. You, 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 never, you never arrive. It's this never-ending opportunity to just fall in love and grow in your love for God more. He's saying, this is my command for you, that you keep growing in love with me. That, that it's not this idea that you can just kind of coast. 
It's, it's this thing of keep the gas pedal to the floor. I don't care how fast you're going. Keep going. Keep going fast. If you're a trucker, it's like hammer down. You know, there's no smokies around. Just keep, keep on going. Grow in that love uh, uh, for God. So he says this, this love, but with what? With all your heart. The, heart, the, the word heart is uh, the word cardia in, in Greek, and it means the innermost part of you. Love God with the innermost part of you. What's that talking about? It's talking about the secret part of you. The secret part. The stuff that, you know, nobody here knows. You know, you look around like, wow, they're all dressed up pretty nice. Well, most of them are dressed up pretty nice. And, uh, you know, it's just, they look good on the outside. He says, what's in the secret part of you? And sometimes we don't want that. We don't want, we don't want that revealed. But um, David, you know, when he had, he had wrote Psalm 51, and he says, God, you desire truth in the inward part. In the innermost part of us, you desire that to be true, genuine, and real. He's writing this psalm as a repentant song to God after he had slept with someone's wife. He had um, murdered her husband to try and cover it up. He'd been living for a year with this on his conscience. And at that point, he said, God, you know what? God convicted him of it. He said, David, get back to the place. Well, David had a heart of repentance saying, you know what? He found himself in that place where the secret thing wasn't lining up. And he said, okay, God, my heart is this, that I will do whatever it takes to stay close to you. This morning, if that gets brought up to your, to, to, in, in your heart, you're saying, hey, there's stuff on the inside, the secret stuff. He's saying, God, I'll do whatever it takes to stay close to you. Deal with the stuff in my heart because he wants to this morning. He says, love him with all of that. That's um, with the inner part of you. He says, love God with all your soul. Soul, the word is psyche. It's, uh, it actually means breath. It means the living part of you. The fact that you're alive, he says, love God because you're alive. The, the breath that you just took for granted, he said that was a gift from him. To love him with that breath to love him with just that, the, again, the kind of the idea of being thankful for the fact that you have life, thankful for the fact that you have new life, a second shot at life, being, um, being uh, just in love with God just as a lifestyle. Saying, just this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. It's not a day, one day thing or another. It's just, this is me. You and me, God, let's grow in this. The third thought is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Uh, mind means your understanding, your thoughts, your way of thinking and your imagination. He says, love me with your imagination. Keep coming up with new creative ways to love God. Maybe that's going to be art for you. Maybe that's going to be blessing somebody uh, around you with, with Crocs. Who knows what it is? It's going to be something that, just, that you say, I don't know, just be creative. In your marriage, be creative. Don't have the same old, same old every, you know, routine of, you know, this is, uh, you know, Monday night's date night, mate night, and the rest of the night is the rest of the, just whatever. You know, it's, it's like keep thinking of things to, to just continue to imagine that to be greater and greater all the time. Um, Romans 12, 2 says there's something about our mind. He says renew your mind. It's how you're transformed in this life with Christ is that you renew your mind. And the word renew, it, it, it actually means like renovation, complete change uh, for the good. Uh, if you've ever done a renovation, uh, we just went through one. And it just doesn't happen just like that. You know, I kind of wish my kitchen renovation was, was like that show where it's like, move that bus! And my kitchen is, oh, it was this and now it's this. Uh, it just didn't happen that way. Uh, you know, I had to wake up every morning and I'd come out of my room and there's this huge mess of stuff. You know, everything's torn apart, but I'm one day closer to what it's going to be. You know, and you, and you realize, oh, okay, you know what, yeah, it looks, it, it looks rough, but, but I'm on my way somewhere. And for some of you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. If you say, you know what, yeah, God, I'm going to pursue this love with you, it could get worse for you. But realize he's working in that, and that it's taking you to a place of getting better. But it's this idea that we keep renovating our mind, complete renovation of the way we think and, and the way uh, we act as, as a result of that. Uh, the thing is that, regrettably, we can stop mid-renovation. We can stop before it's done. 
Uh, you know, like for us right now, all the trim and the, and the crown molding, it all needs one more coat of paint. But we're living with it, right? We can, we can live with that. There's a, there's a big spot on my wall where uh, Henry patched up a big spot where we moved the, the thermostat. It needs to be primed. It needs to be painted. But we can live with that, you know, so, so we are. And, you know, there's, some, there's, um, there's this vent, the cold air return. It's not back on yet. We're losing kids' toys every week down there. Uh, until we lose kids, I'm probably not going to put anything on there yet, you know. So, but, but it's this list of things. They, you know, honey, do this, you know, get these things kind of uh, figured out. But what has happened? We've learned to live with some little things in our life. It's not going but we're good with it. You know, the Bible talks in, in Song of Solomon, it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. He says the little things we allow to live with in our lives, those little things are blowing on that love and causing it to grow cold. This morning, maybe think it's just little things in your life. I would encourage you that as, if Holy Spirit brings them to the surface, he's bringing them to the surface for a reason. Don't allow yourself to just continue to live one more day with those little things. Are there little things cooling down your love for God in your life? And the last thought is the strength with all your heart, soul, with all your mind. Love God with all your strength. Strength is your abilities and your might. You know, the God-given abilities that he's given you. If you're good at something, use that for God. Use it, use it to love God. You're like, I don't know how to love God. What are you good at? You good at making cabinets? Love God by making cabinets. Bless people with that. Love God by, you know, being a great stationary engineer. Love God by being a great pizza delivery guy. I don't, I'm not looking at you because you are. I just saying. You know, love God because, you know, whatever you are, a garbage man. You realize that your eyes are open to opportunities. Love God as a single, uh, single mom. Love God as a, as a mom hanging out in the park and just happen to meet somebody. Loving God with these, just these opportunities, it changes the way we do life. And he says not just to, to um, uh, love him uh, uh, just with your talents, but with your bodies. He says, you know, our, te- our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says in Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Let that be your worship to him. And, and, you know, in Second Peter, we, we learned uh, over the last couple of weeks that, that it's by God's power that he's already put all of that in us. It's not like we're doing this thing on our own or in our own strength. I'm not telling you today to go out and do good stuff, just, just be better. I, I'm telling you, rely on Holy Spirit on the inside of you to allow that to live out through you. He says he's given you everything you need to live a life of godliness. Everything you need is there. So now, you know what that tells me is that it's no longer, this life of godliness is no longer an idea of can or can't do it. Oh, I'm only human. It's the idea of I will or I won't do it. It's not so much about ability uh, as it is about obedience. And that's the thing that, that he's calling on us to say, hey, you know what, God, I'm going to obey. When your word says love with all, all right, God, I'm, uh, that's where I want to be. And he says with all your might. It's not just this idea of love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It says this word might, you know, when he's quoting it from Deuteronomy, that word might in Deuteronomy actually means muchness, which isn't an English word, but they use it to describe a Hebrew word. But muchness, um, with force, with abundance, with exceedingly. So if you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, do that exceedingly. Do that to the max. Do it with your very best. With diligence, put everything into doing that. So it's this idea of I'm doing this on purpose and I'm doing it with everything. My question for you this morning is, are you giving your very best to God in your life? Sometimes we think we're giving our very best, and we don't realize that, you know, maybe, maybe we've got something more that we can give. Oh, I just want to have a, uh, well, if you've got a couple minutes, I've I got a video I want you just to watch uh, this morning. Uh, just asking the question, are you giving God your very best? That's what he's asking. He's saying, would you give your very best in, in, in this relationship with me? Will you give it all? How many of us have just at some point just said, you know, I, I can't do any more. I can't go any further. 
He said, it hurts. You know, I, I feel like I can't even see where I'm going, God. He said, give, give your best. That's a Holy Spirit just encouraging you. Uh, I believe, you know, Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you. In Hebrews, it said to one another, don't, uh, don't stop con- um, stirring one another up to good works. This morning, my heart is that we would stir you up to stir that up in you, to stir up that passion, just that, that passion to love uh, God. And you say, well, I, I don't know. Let me tell you something. This is a commandment that you can keep. This is one that he says you can do. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John four nineteen that we can love him because he loved us. And it says we can love him because he always has loved us. He's always loved you. Always has. No matter where you've come from, he has always loved you. And there's this thought that you can uh, do that because of the love that he has for you. When I read this verse, it says the love of many will grow cold. Uh, my heart is that it doesn't happen here, Kingsway. My heart is that it's not here, it's not now, it's not with this group, and it's not ever that I would, in my heart, would be in the spot to stir you up, to continue to love God more. It's on our sign. It's on our bulletin. We see it all the time. We talk about it, but that it would always remain fresh, that we'd love God with our best. And my prayer and my hope and my question is that you would do the same for me, that you would say, Mark, are you loving God more than yesterday? Are you still reaching for, that you would be like the great cloud of witnesses, like the Bible just talks about, that to one another we say, come on, let's step our game up. Let's keep going. Let's love God uh, to the best of our ability wherever we find ourselves. You know, there's, um, there's a thought, and the reason why I talk about it is in Revelation, he says, there's this, this idea of loss. He's saying, you know what, sometimes it's looking at the prize in front of us. Other times he says, take a look at, at what you could be missing out on and what you could lose. Because there's a truth of something called loss aversion, that we actually, even though we love to win, we actually hate to lose more. We do. And so it's say the picture of what you could possibly lose. If you could hate that so much, it will push you towards it. When you go fishing, I'm going fishing on, on Friday. What's the biggest fish that people always talk about? It's not the biggest one they caught. It's the biggest one that got away. You know, that's the one that matters more. It's the, one that, it's the one that got away. And same for us. I want to encourage you, don't let this one get away. That if there's anything that inspires in your heart this morning, say, you know what, my love for God, that level's got to increase. That's, I, I've got to go to the thing of doing more. That's Holy Spirit, because that's what he's saying through this. Go more. Do more. Get to that place of loving God more. Allow that. And that doesn't happen here. That happens in, in your secret place, in the way you think. In, in what you do with, with your body and to the, the secret place on the inside of you. Paul told Timothy, it's there, that gift. I want to leave you with this thought. I read a book uh, this week called The Insanity of God. It just talks about persecution of the church all around the world. We don't have it here. You know, we don't have this thought that we wake up and go, oh dear God, give me today my daily bread. Why? Because we have money to buy it. We really don't need to trust God for that. We're not sitting here this morning with this a gnawing feeling on the inside that, you know, those sirens could be for us, that they're coming for us, that we're not allowed to be here, that they're going to walk in here and blow the place up because we're not allowed to serve Christ in this country. We don't have that. So we just kind of meet here, you know, and, and do it as, as, as a routine that we have. Do you know that all over the world, in China, in, in um, Afghanistan, in places that, that are just so dark, right now that the the gospel is not allowed to be, that there are hundreds of thousands of our family and believers there who are saying, you know what, I'm willing to risk life in prison to have the word of God in my language. I'm willing to risk death to be spending time with believers. And they they said, it's just so incredibly powerful as they said, you know what, you know, we see miracles of raising the dead and things here, but the greatest miracle that we wish we could see is what you guys see every single week in, in, in your country. Take a look around you right now. 
because to most of the world, what you see around you right now, people free to worship God and have the chance to grow in this together as a family is a miracle. Bonafide miracle. There's one quote, I'll leave you with this. A guy named Dimitri from, from a place in Russia. His name has been changed for his protection, but he, he, he wrote this and left. He says, don't give up in freedom, but we would never give up in persecution. They're persecuted, and they won't give up the fact of having the word. They won't give up the fact of praying with one another. They won't give up that for the sake of their lives. He says, we too easily give that up in this country. I believe that all of us, including myself, first of all, need this message more than anything. That we say, God, stir that up in us, that we would love you more, that we would live pushing back across those things to live this to the fullest, to give our very best in our lives for him. When I think of Jesus going to the cross, I think and realize he gave his very best for us. May our lives reflect that. This morning, um, as we just pray for you, I would encourage you in some way to respond to this this morning, if Holy Spirit's speaking to you. If it's just words you thought, hey, Mark said this stuff, and you know, it was kind of whatever, but you know when it hits you here to do something about that. Do something about that. Begin to feed that fire. Uh, again, it's, uh, it might be difficult. It might be hard, but my, our, our heart is that we would be a church that gives our very best. The best you have to give is you. Would you do that? That's what he's asking for. Let's pray. Father, I just pray over this time together. Holy Spirit, I, I believe I've shared it, what you've asked me to. I know that you're speaking it to my heart. God, I just ask this morning for every other person as well here that you're speaking to, that you're bringing up things that that you desire change, that you desire truth on the inward part. Father, I pray for that courage just to believe you that they can, and that you would take them uh, in those steps. Uh, Father, I pray that we'd be encouraged every day. Holy Spirit, may you be like that coach just saying, give me your best. Give me your very best. And may tomorrow be a day where we give our very best. And Tuesday, giving our very best. Wednesday, giving our very best in our life and our love for you. Lord, may through that, may people get to see and know how amazing, how wonderful, how awesome you are. Thank you, Father.